You joined us for week three of our series called Relationship Revival, and uh, hopefully you've been following along with us each week. Um, we talked about the four kinds of love in the first week, and then last week we talked about the great eight relationship killers. Had a lot of great conversation this week with people about those, and then uh, today we're going to be jumping in uh, to a new one as well. But I do want to encourage you, as I do almost every single week, to take notes. Get out your Bible, your notepad, whatever, follow along. Uh, statistics say you're four times more likely to remember something. Something if you're writing it down, if, you, if you're retaining it uh, in some place that you can file it. And then also, especially to some of the young people today, maybe as you hear today's sermon and maybe you're dating or you're, you're single and you're, you're moving through that stage of life, some of these truths we're going to look at today, I think are good for you to have written down so that you can go back and kind of measure yourself. You know, the scripture says uh, that it's important for men and women to examine our hearts from time to time go like, hey, I need to do this little checkup here. And if we have these notes from the word of God, um, it's a great way to help us do that. Amen? Amen. So let's jump into it. Let's pray and we'll have some fun today. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for the way that you love us and lead us. Lord, I thank you that you've already been ministering to our hearts and our minds. And God, I pray that as we hear your truths today, Lord, we don't just hear them or, or we don't even kind of view them as some kind of inspiration. But God, I pray that we hear them as truth, truth that we can live and that will make a difference in our life. I thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. <clears throat> So this message today, uh, although it's going to have a little bit different kind of themes all throughout it, uh, I don't want you to go, well, I'm a single person, so this message doesn't matter for me because it, it matters for you today. You, you might be here and say, well, you know, I'm married, I'm, I'm happily married today. This message is for you. You might hear, be here today and be like, I'm very unhappily married today. <laughs> but this message is for you too. Like whatever stage you find yourself in uh, all throughout this sermon, I want you to hear it and go, hey, this is something for me. This is something that I can take. You know, the scripture says that we go from glory to glory. We go from faith to faith. God is always advancing us, leveling us up, if you will, as we trust him and he takes us into deeper waters. And so I believe you may be someone in this room going like, man, I've marriage, you know, relationship. I, you can't teach an old new tricks. We've been married a long time. Is it, this is the good as it's going to get. I don't believe that to be true. I believe that God can, can always grow us and move us. And then I heard this statistic as I was doing some studying. Do you know that they say most people uh, get their pattern or they learn about marriage uh, from their parents? So most of it's just caught as they grow up and, and watch their parents, whatever good, ugly that may be. Uh, they, they catch it that way, but they're inspired by, I want you to hear this. If you're of the older generation, they're inspired by their grandparents relationship. So you might even be somebody who's looked at your parent, grandparents. You've looked at your grandparents and said, oh, someday I hope that we can have a love like that or have a marriage like that, have a relationship like that. So just keep in mind, it's important for us. Keep working at it. Keep, keep striving to be better because you've got a whole generation that's watching and inspired by you. Amen. Amen. We live in a funny time because, you know, we have oversimplified things in culture when it comes to having a great relationship. You want to have a great relationship. You want to have a great marriage. You want to, you want to find somebody and you want to, they, this is what they say. You want to have a great relationship. All you need to do is just find the one and then you're good. Just find the one. That's all it comes down to. You could, uh, you know, say, oh, all you have to do is find the one. I get a kick out of like, the bachelor and the bachelorette program and the guys there and you're going to meet 700 women tonight at the cocktail party. And, and, uh, Jesse's like, what do you think? He's like, I think I'm going to find the one. And do you think the one is here in that group? I think so. I've been here 20 minutes, but I think she's here. I think she's here tonight. 
And uh, we just have this, all you have to do is find the one. Life can be a mess. Your life is a train wreck. You've gone off the rails. But culture teaches you, you know how you can fix that? Just find the one and fall in love. And everything will be solved. That's all it takes to live happily ever after. Some of us, some of you in this room, you do kind of live that way and think that way. You sort of have the, the snow white sort of game plan in your mind. I mean, you're just kind of waiting around to find the one and fall in love. So you just kind of spend your day. Someday my prince will come. That's, tear, that's tears of intimidation. He's not laughing at me. He's saying, oh, my job, I didn't know it was so threatened. Just, just around the wishing well, someday we'll meet again. Then it gets a little creepier. <laughs> and away to his castle we'll go. You don't know the guy, but that could be a thing. <laughs> she says, to be happy forever. Come on, guys. I know. <laughs> you failed the Disney test. I'm greatly disappointed in you as a pastor. But we have just this philosophy. This is all it takes to be happily ever after is to just find the one and fall in love and all your dreams will come true and there'll be no work, no strife, no effort, no, I mean, no, it's not true. So aren't you glad that God gave us his book? Aren't you glad that God gave us some instruction about how we can live the best kind of life and how we can look at the way he created us to live? I wrote it down like this. We should be a people who don't focus on finding the one We need to be a people who focus on becoming the one. The the instruction here is, is, hey, it's not about we just run around looking to find the one. The scripture promises us this, that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto us. So if in our marriage and in our singlehood and and even in, in regular relationships, if we're just a people who are seeking God and his ways and his purposes and his plans, if we're if we're seeking and we're moving in that direction, God says, hey, I'm going to add all those other things you desire into your life. Can I get an amen today? So we're going to take a look at what it looks like to, to, to have a relationship and, and to become the one. There's someone in scripture we saw uh, that, that that person became the one. We, we saw a person say, hey, I'm getting ready. I'm positioning myself to become the one for somebody else. And what I love about the Bibles, it's laid out so brilliantly. So if we're going to look at the first relationship in scripture, where would we find it? Well, Genesis means the beginning. And so if we're going to look at the first relationship, we're going to find it in the beginning, which is Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 says this. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Eve comes along and says, I like the way you work it. (laughs) Some of you are finishing that lyric right now. And that was a pastor test. And you just failed it because in church, you're finishing Dr. Dre lyrics. So that that's kingdom bucks down for you. But the scripture says that God took Adam and put him in the garden. What for? Put him in the garden. What for? What's happening? What are we first seeing about the first person becoming the one who he's supposed to be? We see that it was put in the garden to work it. And to take care of it. So the first thing we see, one, is that Adam had a job. That's a good qualification for someone in a relationship. He don't got a job, but he's got such cute fashion. He didn't have a job, or he had a job. But here's what we see. He was created 
He was created. The first thing we see in the first relationship was that this man understood that he was created to be a contributor. We believe this, that you were created on purpose for a purpose. If you're looking to be somebody or become the one, you need to be somebody who understands that you got a purpose and there's a plan and God has a design for your life. Can I get an amen today? So point number one is this, before I find my person, I need to find my purpose. Before we can ever find our person, we need to be pursuing our purpose. Everybody runs around all over the place. I just got to find my person. I got to find my person. He's my person. I got to find my person. No, we got to find our purpose. And Genesis shows us that, that God's intentional about that. We're put here for a reason. Uh, we say it again all the time. We were created on purpose for a purpose. And I think that that's always growing. You might sit in the room or be watching online to say it today and be discouraged because you say, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know. Well, that's the number one longing of the human heart. Do you know that the number one all-time best-selling book is called The Purpose Driven Life? And it's the number one all-time selling nonfiction book next to the Bible. And, uh, and it's this idea of what on earth am I here for? It's the number one longing of the human heart is to go, what on earth have I been put here for? What is my purpose? And so we need to be a people who pursue our purpose first before we ever begin pursuing a person. Can I get an amen today? Ephesians 2.10 says it this way, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus for what? Same thing as Adam. For what? What's the point of this? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has something for us to walk in. He's got good works and good purposes and good things that he's set us here to do in this time, in this hour that we're living. And it's important that we pursue that purpose instead of just pursuing a person. Just got to find my person. Where's my person? I just got to find my person. We have to find our purpose. So as you know, a couple weeks ago, I had a special guest come help me, and I thought it would be good to bring him back today. So everybody, please welcome back Jane. Jane's back today. Jane's a little embarrassed because she is wearing the same thing she wore last time she came. But this is Jane, and uh, Jane is bright-eyed. She's got the future in mind, and she's going about her life, and she's trying to discover her purpose. And what I love about God is, do you know that you're not created to be perfect, even discovering our purpose, God's not like, you better, you better get it right the first time. No, there's, there's a journey to discovering our purpose. There's, there's like this thing that we go through in life as, as we're letting God lead us. And so she's trying to discover her purpose. Her purpose is over there. And she said, I'm going to go discover my purpose through life. So she's young and she first says, oh, I'm going to maybe get into nursing school. And so she kind of makes her way over to here and her purpose. And, and I'm in nursing school. She's like, oh, this is gross. I'm out of here. How about something else? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come over here and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open a bakery and we're going to make goods and birthday cakes and all this stuff. And, and there's like, ah, customer service is really annoying. So I'm going to kind of move ahead in my purpose over here. I'm going to, I'm going to be a creative. And so I'm going to make art and I'm going to do these things. And so she's kind of navigating all through life, but she's making her way to her purpose. She's discovering who she is and God and along her way. But then sometimes what happens is as you're on your way to your purpose, a Tarzan shows up in your life and, uh, oh, he's got some neck separation right now. Peasley, can you, uh, can you put that back on for him? So he's got his Pantene Pro-V today and, uh, of course, in the loincloth, a nice tan. He's looking good. And so she's, like, just making her way through. But cultures told her, nah, to be happy, you got to just find your person. What you need to be happy in your 20s and all your friends are getting married and they're going on these trips. And so what you need to do 
is you need to find your person. Pursue your person. So Tarzan's thinking the same thing. He's like, you know what I need? At this stage of my life, I just need, need my person. I, I don't care about my purpose. I'm not really thinking about what God put me here to do, what he put me in this place to do and, and to tend and take care of. Instead, I'm just going to be person-focused. And so, okay, so now we're, we're married. And so we, we got married. And it's like, well, well we want to live in this neighborhood. My person says they want to live in this kind of neighborhood. So we move over to here. Instead of moving over toward our purpose, we now kind of move over this way. So we want to live in this neighborhood. Yeah, well... How about we have kids? My person says we want to have all these kids, so we have these kids, and we're not pursuing our purpose. We're just instead pursuing what our person wants, and now we have kids. And, of course, there's nothing wrong with having kids. But, again, they're focused on their kids, and then Tarzan says, well, my kids are going to be good at sports. And so because this person says, I want my kids to be good at sports, we put them in every kind of sport. And so we don't have any time for pursuing our purpose because we're driving all over the planet, making sure our kids can play soccer poorly, and and that's all we do. (laughs) And we're not moving toward our purpose. And so we got sports. And then they say, well, but look at all our friends. They have so much fun. And they're always taking trips to the Bahamas. And so we got to up our social life because this person and person. And we got all person-centric. And that's all we care about is person. And we've moved so far from, like, desiring and moving after our purpose that we find ourselves living in a new place over here. And it's not called a place of purpose. It's called a place of resentment. You go, I hate this life. How did we get here? I can't stand him. He only has one outfit. <laughs> can't stand her. She never. And so, and then they just hate this life and they're in this life of resentment. So then Tarzan has these thoughts and he makes mistakes and Jane has these thoughts and makes mistakes and they're stuck in this place. Why? Because they were more about a person than they were God's purpose for their life. And they now found themselves in this situation. Now, what I love about God's grace is you don't have to be stuck here. God's not the, hey, one chance, you messed it up, I guess you're stuck there. No, even in this place, if you find yourself maybe in a marriage or in a relationship and and you are dealing with resentful thoughts, right here in this place, you can say, hey, you know what we need to do? We need to get our aim back on our purpose. We need to have a conversation and say, you know what, by God's grace, we can re-aim this thing. And scripture says that if we seek first the kingdom of God, as I mentioned, and his righteousness, everything we need is going to get added back unto us. The perfect way to do this, maybe you're a young person dating, and you go, hey, I'm going to be about my purpose. I'm going to be about my purpose. So Jane says, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going about my purpose. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to make church priority. I know my friends are trying to do all the other things people do on social media, but I'm going to be about my purpose. I'm going this way. And Tarzan's like, you know what? Me too. I'm going to be about my purpose. They haven't met each other yet, but they say, Hey, I'm going to be about my purpose. And so all of a sudden, Oh, Hey, look, look at, I see you at church. You're moving toward your purpose. So that's pretty cool. And then you move it along towards your purpose and you show up at Saturday prayer because you care about your purpose and discovering who God created you to be. Say, oh, look, you're at Saturday prayer too. That's pretty cool. And then you move along a little bit more and then all of a sudden you're moving toward your purpose. It's like, oh, hey, look. Wow, she's at night of worship too. He's at night of worship. Wow, that's, that's pretty amazing that, you know, you guys are doing this kind of... And all of a sudden they're serving. Oh, you serve in the church too? And then all of a sudden the purpose has brought them together. And the ultimate purpose of all of our lives is to do one thing, which is what? Glorify God. So you can be a baker and an artist and you can be all these kind of things with the intention of glorifying God and you can glorify God through all that. Then all of a sudden you find yourself with somebody. You've both become the one God's called you to be and you found your purpose along the road of glorifying God. And then Tarzan gets to turn to you and say, you'll be in my heart. You didn't know you were coming to a musical sermon today. Some of you guys are like, I'm out. One more song for it. Oh, that's a different song. So then they just fall in love, and babies start coming out everywhere. They found their purpose. So we can move 
from resentment. It's too much fun. We don't have fun in church. Shut it down. <laughs> I know in six months someone's going to be like, uh, Pastor, are you... Uh, even preached a sermon with Barbies in a while. Do you mind bringing those? I'm going to be like, you need to go to counseling. (laughs) Andrew. (laughs) He got something in his eye, scratched his cornea last week or something like that. And so the whole sermon last week, he was like, so I text him like, you good, bro? You good? (laughs) You can find your person. You can find your person, I believe, you can find your person while pursuing your divine purpose. Seek first the kingdom, and God adds unto you all these things. That's actually Adam's story. He's put in the garden, and he's, he's working, he's doing his purpose, and then we'll get, continue to read and see how God brings him his person. Let's keep going. Verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Point number two is this, before I can make a covenant, I need to make wise choices. Adam was somebody who was stewarding his life well. Of course, we know later he made a mistake with Eve, but at this point in his life, he was somebody who was a good steward of the small things. It's shocking to me. I'll meet with young people or I'll be talking to somebody. And it's amazing to me. They're so unwise in all the small things, yet they think that they're ready and qualified to make the second biggest decision of their entire life. The number one biggest decision is making Jesus Lord of your life. But the second would be stepping into a marriage. And so I meet with these people and they can't keep all of the small things in order. They're not taking care of all of the little things. And yet they believe that they're ready to step into one of the biggest things. Uh, Luke 2.10 says it this way, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. People, they they come to me all the time and say, "Ah, I know, I know he doesn't have a job. And I know he's a pathological liar. He doesn't keep his word. I know. Um, But, you know, and I know he doesn't serve. And I know he's not good with his money. He doesn't put God first. I know he doesn't pray. I know his calendar's a disaster. He's always a mess. Or I know she, she gossips all the time. And I know she's really negative. And they'll go through all of these things. And they'll say all this kind of, and I know he's this and this. And he's angry all the time. And he doesn't put me first. He doesn't consider my feelings. I know all those things. But he's got a really good job. He makes a lot of money, so, you know, maybe. Well, he's a lot of fun. That's the one that we get all the time. I just feel so alive when I'm with him. Well, he's a, anyway. <laughs> and, so, and so we go through all of these things that actually don't matter. We go, we go through all of these things where we're failing. He or she, let's be honest with both, are failing in all of these little things, yet you're ready to give them the biggest responsibility becoming one with you. And people say this to me all the time. They say, I know I got all this stuff going on and I got, and and again, I'm not, perfection is not the expectation, but what I'm saying, you got all these lists of things and then you say this to me, but I know as soon as I settle down with somebody, then I'll clean all that up. Exactly. That's going to work just like that. You're going to have this whole habitual lifestyle. You're going to have all this kind of stuff going on in your life. And then you're going to say, but when I get married, that's all just going to wisp away. That's not how it works. We got to be faithful in the little things. I wrote it down like this. Marriage doesn't change you. It magnifies who you are. Listen to me, young people watching online, listening in this room. You say, oh, but he's fun. Oh, but he's got money. But he's got a whole list of all these other bad things. Those bad things in marriage get magnified. They don't go away. 
I wrote it down like this. Marriage makes you more of who you are. Now, I understand that marriage, when you come together, there's power in that. When, when a couple comes together and God puts you together and there is strength in that, I'm not discounting that. But I'm just saying, if some of these qualifications aren't taken care of, you will see gross exaggerations of things you don't want to see. God says to Adam, hey, I see that you're walking in your purpose. He says, I see that you're making good choices. And because you're walking in your purpose and you're making good choices, I can now give you your woman. I can now give you your helper. Verse 18 says that. So the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Therefore, I will make a helper suitable for him. Let me play with this word helper a minute. Helper. Because this is what happens in marriage. Everything about your personality becomes er when you get married. So if you're dating somebody and you're with somebody who's strong, the good news is in marriage, they become stronger. If you're dating somebody who's wise and you come together and you're in connection, uh, the, you get wise-er. If someone's healthy and they're, they're in good, when they get married, they get healthier. But the reality of that situation is also this. If somebody's an angry person and you're always dealing with these outbursts and somebody that you're dating, don't give a big decision to them because they get angry-er. Well, but this, no, 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 no. You got to watch out because marriage magnifies. Am I telling the truth today? Somebody said, well, he can't keep a job and he doesn't really pick up. And it's, you know, you open the truck door and 7,000 McDonald's things falls out. And they're, you, know, you ever met anybody like that? <laughs> it's, well, but this and that. No, you know what they get? They get er. Marriage makes you er. Lazy er. Are, 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 <laughs> I don't know anybody like this, but whiny er. <laughs> Well, you know, she's beautiful, but man, she whines a lot and she's, a, she's that social media kind of girl. Like, no, no, it gets, it magnifies. Am I telling the truth today? So we got we to gotta make sure that we're, we're stewarding well these decisions. You're making this huge decision in your life, young person. Um, yeah, let's keep going. Verse 19. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. And he brought the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. This is how I know Adam was truly a man, just like us. He was mankind for sure. He was not just a story of a guy and it wasn't just some kind of parable. This guy was truly a man, just like us, because you can actually watch his work turn out just to be like our work. In the beginning, he's going for it. He's working hard at the beginning of the shift. He's beginning to name things, first word. See, you know, first thing comes along, he's like, armadillo, big word. <laughs> Next thing comes by and he's like, you know, he looks at it. He's like pterodactyl, like big word. Next thing he's like, I'm going to mess up every elementary spelling bee for all of mankind. He's like this next thing right here, hippopotamus, <laughs> which also became one of the best movie lines of all time. Hip, hip, hop, hip hop anonymous. This is bold. You give him all the easy ones. <laughs> We get to thank Adam for that and Adam Sandler for that. Like just both of those, like, thank you, Adams, for those. But he's, he's up here. He's clocked in. It's early. He's working hard in the beginning. But as things get later, he's just ready to go home. So as things come along, he's like this, cat, dog, cow, pig, bee. Just, all these, just as easy as possible. That's how we know he's mankind. But verse 20 says this. So the man... So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. 
Here's what I just learned this week. Do you know that this is the first time Adam's name was ever used in scripture? Up to this point, he was the man, the man, the man, the man did this. Then after he walked in his purpose, God was able to establish his identity. Once he knew his identity, God was like, you're ready for your helper. You're ready for your helper. Point number three is before we seek out intimacy, we need to seek out our identity. We say, oh, you know what I need? You know what will complete me? Because that's the big line. You complete me. You know what will complete me? I need intimacy from somebody. That's what will complete me. I need affection. I need attention from somebody. I need affirmation. I need admiration. I need these things. That's what will satisfy me and make me content. But what we see here is, no, you have to first understand your identity in God before you get intimacy. God was like, before I can give you your person, before I can give you someone alongside you, you first must know your purpose, understand your identity. He named him Adam, his identity. You got to get your identity before we can seek intimacy. God wants you to know your identity before you know intimacy. It's so rough when two people come together and don't know who God made them to be. Individuals come together. Maybe it's because they had fun and their life, their paths cross under, and now they found themselves together, but they don't know their identity in God. And it creates a lot of turbulence in that relationship because they're not drawing their dependency from God. They're drawing it from their desire for affection, admiration. Are, are you understand what I'm talking yeah. about? Amen. We need to get that from God. If you don't know who you are individually, you'll never know who you truly are together. I'll say it like this. That's what happens when there's a failure in a relationship. If somebody's identity is in their intimacy with their person, again, whether it be admiration or affection or whatever it is, if somebody's identity is found in those things instead of their identity in Christ, when there's a failure in the relationship, they'll freak out. Instead of if they know their identity in God, when there's a failure in the relationship, they'll say, hey, you know what? Grace to that. but I know who I am in God. I can handle this failure. And can I tell you in in relationships, there's a lot of failures and it will help you out a whole bunch to get through those failures. If your identity is found and secured in Christ. So God's like, Hey, I need to make sure you know who you are in your identity before I can give you your intimate person. And we need to be secure in that to avoid that bumpy road. Men, I'm here to tell you today, speak to all the fellas, men, listen, You do not need a woman to be a successful man. There's this pressure, this stigma that gets put on men. It's like, bro, you're young. Bro, you out there, you crushing it. You hooking up, you doing it. You need that in life to be successful, to be a bro, to do things. Then you get a little bit older and it's like, man, what are you, 25 and you're not married yet? You haven't had a kid? Are you a man? And so we rush out and we get in these relationships and we let culture try to tell us that if we're not this by here, if we're not this by here, then you must not be a man. So we rush out and make these decisions. And what you need to tell yourself, I'm telling you, young person, what you need to tell yourself is there's one thing I'm responsible for. And it's this time here on earth. I'm going to stand before the Lord and I'm going to give an account for everything I did. And one of those things that I don't have to give an account for is, hey, man, were you a man by 25? No, what I did was I knew my identity in Christ and I pursued a purpose. That's what I'm responsible for. So young person, 
yeah, you want to have a good time and, and go to the dances and hang out in college and do all that kind of things, but you don't put any of that in front of understanding your identity in Christ and pursuing your purpose. Yeah. Women, I'm here to tell you the same thing. You do not need a man to be a secure and confident woman. You don't need a man to be a secure and confident woman. If you can understand your identity in Christ, well, but everybody else is off and they're getting married and they're having kids and they're living the dream life. No, God's got a purpose and a plan for you. And if you just keep securing your identity in him and he's going to provide for you everything you need along the way. Yeah, but I'm just getting at this stage in my life and I need this. And so I'm going to compromise and I'm going to get with this guy and I'm going to allow this kind of stuff. You don't need a man to find your security and your confidence in who God created you to be. Our security needs to come from our Savior and not our status. Verse 22 says, Then the Lord God made woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Check this out. Ladies, listen to this. Before Eve ever encountered her man, she first had time in an encounter with God. The passage here is trying to get us to see God said he created her and God himself brought her to her person. She first had an experience in a time in a relationship with God. And I see so many young people, young women, girls listening online, you're throwing yourself at these jerks and at these losers and you're getting used and and you think it's true attention. I'm telling you, create a space where you can first know God before you ever try to pursue a man or a person. There's so much more benefit to say, God, I've spent this time with you and I've learned myself in you and I've learned how to find myself in you. And then God says, hey, because we've had this relationship, young lady, I'm going to bring you to what I've created for you and it's going to be worth it. Are you with me today? Don't sell yourself short and don't compromise because if you can just spend that time with God, he's got something for you. Verse 21, I'll close with this. Before Before we can find, I'll say it to you this way, before we can find him, our person, ladies, before you can find him, let's make sure that we're finding him. It's just the much better way to do it. And it's the same thing in any relationship. But before we can find our person, let's make sure we're connected to the person. Verse 21, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into deep sleep. I'm backing up. I, I, I jumped a verse to kind of lay that out, but let's jump back to 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then he closed up the place with flesh. Listen to this. While he was resting in God, while Adam was resting in God, God created for him. Think about that. God says, hey, I got this. Why don't you, I know you have a need. I know you need your person. I know you need your person with you on the way to your purpose. I I know that. But why don't you just rest right here? Just rest in me. I got this. And while Adam was resting, God's over here creating for him. Just creating what he needs because God knows what we need. What we need. He didn't have to strive. He didn't have to struggle. He didn't have to hustle. He didn't have to do all this stuff to get to the front and to be noticed and earn himself this trophy wife and do all this stuff. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to trust that the presence of God, resting in the presence of God while I do this, God's over here working on my behalf. 
And you may be married right now. You may be saying, hey, our marriage has such a great need right now. We've tried self-help books and we've gone to this class and done this kind of stuff. And God is saying, hey, you know what you should do? Rest in me. Make a space where you can pursue me and go after me. And while you're resting in my presence, I'll work out that other piece that you need. Psalm 62, 5 says this. It says, yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. What's the psalmist saying? He's saying, I can find rest. Like I can chill out. I seem to chill out. I can chill out. Why? Because I know I can rest. I can chill out here. Why? Because my hope doesn't come from my striving, my building, my, it comes from hoping in God who's working on my behalf. Until you are satisfied in God, you will never find true satisfaction in anything else. That's why it's got to be about discovering our purpose and knowing our identity in him because we, we got to find our satisfaction in God so that he can satisfy all other areas of our life. I love how Pastor Lee Cummings says this. He says that birds were made for the air, fish were made for the sea, but mankind was made for the presence of God. Just that, that time with the Lord in every area of our life, parenting, marriage, relationship, dating, all these things, that presence of God in all of it, that pursuit of our purpose is what we were created for. So let's do that. Let's incorporate that into our relationships. Amen.